Jim Carter, David Marr, and Nate LeBlanc. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a part. Now fans worldwide say... Not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad Who chronicles the vanguard of hip-hop at large Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod Rap pod Podcasting live from San Jose, California It is the dad bod rap pod I am one-third of your hosts Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dim One I think when you're doing good radio, you're supposed to like set the scene for things. So I need you guys to understand that my co-host here, Nate LeBlanc, has on a white corduroy cap. Uh, gray, gray, I'll, but close. Oh, it's gray. It's gray. I, I couldn't wear a white hat. I don't. I think. know. I was about to give you white hat props because it's <laughs> clean. Okay, so it's 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 gray, like a light gray corduroy. Yeah. Okay. And then what would you call your, your cardigan here? Is that a Heather? Uh, this is marled. This is a marled shawl collar uh, cardigan. A Marley marled, if you will. <laughs> um, or if awesome. you won't. <laughs> if you won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how's it going, man? Good, 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 good. Uh, let's see here. Damone is drinking uh, a low-priced wine from Trader Joe's. And wearing his glasses, which he only occasionally wears, and in a uh, cranberry hoodie. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. A little, uh, <laughs> little H&M to go with my $14 Pinot. Uh, <laughs> we are shoving off here for episode 204, season... Uh, we don't know what Dave's wearing. Dave is, Dave is uh, on assignment. It. Dave's on assignment, but we know what he's wearing. He has wearing on a an band obscure band shirt that's two sizes too small, black <laughs> jeans, very nondescript black shoes, and a cool hat. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Pack of smokes in the back pocket. Love you, Dave. Dave is uh, starting his semester as a lecturer at his second semester as a lecturer at San Jose State. So he's kind of getting stuff together for the children. Hip hop history. That's a really right. cool thing to do. Absolutely. He, he needs to teach us. I know. Um, with all the uh, the errors I've made of late. <laughs> I got called out on one on uh, Instagram DMs the other day, and I was just like, we make factual errors every episode. So yeah. you, it's cool to reach out. I don't mind. I don't feel bad. You're not being a dick, but like yeah. you could do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> we will give you plenty to vibe off of. Um, one of my goals for this season, which I, I talked to you about off air, is to reduce my assist to a uh, factual error ratio <laughs> for this year. I'm trying to get to a solid three to one like a good point guard should. Yeah. So doing a, a tad bit more research, but what you have to understand is rap is limitless and we do not pretend to know it all. We just talk about it all here uh, on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. We have a dope interview lined up for y'all. You know this because you clicked on it. We have Casual, one of my favoritest MCs, uh, period. Nate and Dave got to chop it up with him. Um, but this imminent interview with Casual got me thinking about hieroglyphics as a, a crew and who, you know, who people favor of the hieroglyphics crew. So I took it to uh, the place where all good ideas come from, Twitter, and uh, posed the question of the week, which was... Who is your favorite member of Hyro and why? Nate, before I before I dive into this, I want to see how you feel about this statement because as I was reading through all the tweets and stuff, I landed on Hyro is the all-time rap collective, second only to Wu-Tang. That's a bold statement. Um, I think the Dungeon family might want to have a word. Um, I love Hyro. Um, I, I grew up listening to their music. We've had the opportunity to talk to many of the fellas. We interviewed um, Domino live at the record swap. I've been to yeah. Dell's house to interview him. Um, we just talked to Casual. We talked to Tajay on the way back from the desert when like often interact with him on Twitter where he has an amazing um, three line <laughs> triumvirate triumvirate yes. uh 
tweet format that I think is really funny and awesome. Um, I've seen them live so many times. Uh, but that's a big statement you just made. And I'm I know. talking around agreeing with it because I'm not sure that I do. Um, there's a lot of good collectives. It depends how you would define collective. Like, would mm-hmm. you take like the kind of freestyle fellowship and project bloat collective into that? Would you, uh, you know, would you take DITC into that? Would mm-hmm. you take the whole like universe of the bootcamp click and duck down mm-hmm. records? Well, you know, like there's, there are yeah. a lot of people fending for that title. Um, I will say this they represent the ideals of what I want from hip hop in a way that is unparalleled, especially once they went independent after their Mm -hmm. jive contracts kind of ran out and they founded hieroglyphics Imperium and broke new digital ground and Mm -hmm. as a touring concern and made movies like they, they just do everything in the right way. And I think it's, they've made a ton of good music. I don't know if they've made it as much good music as all the Wu-Tang guys put together or even in that kind of. Well, no, no. And that's why I would, I would only put ahead of, uh, ahead of high row just because of the, the musical output. But um, I do feel for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, when we think about a collective, um, high row is really a collective. Sometimes there's just groups of artists that kind of, kind of, glom around i would say right i mean we didn't even mention native tongues which is like it's debatable how long that was actually a thing but if we're talking my like the best music ever made that's probably they're probably right up there for me so it yeah for sure if if it's kind of like the uh native tongues being the bo jackson corollary of there was about three years when they were together and absolutely putting out the best music wu-tang had the longest run i think hyro uh, personifies a collective in the sense that there's groups, there's individual artists, there are producers, they all do stuff. They're um, in business together to this day. Yep. And, and a successful business and created a model that even uh, a lot of other rappers and collectives have uh, built their, their foundation around. You look at a living legends. Um, there's just several groups, especially I would say like barnstorming acts that learned uh, how to coalesce around each other uh, and make collective moves. And I think that a lot of that comes from Hyro. Totally. I, I love them. They're great. It's just, uh, it's, there's a lot of records that uh, I, I didn't file. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, what, what's the must have material from each, each individual person? Like, I have to think about like this from like a record collecting standpoint. And of course. It, it leans pretty heavily toward uh, the beginning of most of their careers. So it's just, that's just something that you have to think about when you're considering a group's legacy, but um, we're not, you know, we're here to celebrate the catalog and uh, to prep you guys for this great interview with casual. And um, I will say, unless people really put in the time, they might not be able to differentiate, for instance, between the individual members of Souls of Mischief. Like, if you only think of them as the 93 till infinity guys, like, you have a lot of homework to do. There's oh, just so sure. much for there sure. from for all sure. of the different guys, and they're so talented in their own ways. So it's just something that needs to be um, delved into, kind of. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I, I would encourage folks to not let... Uh... 93 till or even fear itself kind of be your your starting end point there's definitely some interesting records therein. uh but back to the the twitter convo posted this question who is your favorite hieroglyphics member and why on to the twitters at dad bod rap pod we're gonna talk about some of these responses before the interview and then we got so many uh we'll probably come back and do a little bit more at the end uh so let's let's kick it off with uh new new friend of the program um who nate and dave had been stalking for about four years uh rob sonic chimes in at rob sonic casual is in my top 10 all time not many people know this i didn't know this i don't know rob sonic rob sonic's top 10 but i don't think i would assume casual was in it totally um shout out to Rob. and then i think he followed up with a tweet immediately thereafter where he's just said because he's just a monster which, which I think is like super, super accurate. Uh, yeah. Casual. Um, he is definitely a monster and somebody that a lot of folks um, held up as, as their favorite. I didn't do this as a poll, but I think if I did, um, Dell and Casual were kind of like 
neck and neck for uh for the top spot. Let's go to a a person who and, and you got to think about this. And I know our Twitter feed is not representative of like America or hip hop fandom in general. It coalesces around people who like the same stuff we like, or at least who like the show, or at least have heard of us or enough to follow on Twitter. And a lot of people who like, we got some responses here from people who didn't don't follow us. It just kind of got out there, but um, Dell has done so much more higher profile stuff. Yes. Like there's no, there's no yes. corollary for casual to the gorillas verse. No, you know what I mean? No, no. or, or even Deltron 3030. We right, talked about this like, quite a bit. The, the alternative hip hop thing that kind of spanned into like a bunch of different fandoms. Like you'll find many, many rock people who like Deltron 3030. For sure. And also uh, his song on Judgment Night soundtrack with Dinosaur Jr. <laughs> I will talk about until my last days. Um, let's go to, uh, speaking of our, our, our national reach here, let's go to a gentleman I'm going to refer to as Midwest Nate going forward. Uh, Nate Patron, a friend of the program, writer. Uh, Dell seems Weird like- Weird have her glasses wearer. I, it, there's so many exactly yeah. he there's has so he has a vaguely french last name so do i we've talked about this yeah. okay okay <laughs> i gotta separate my lumberjacks here midwest <laughs> midwest nate is uh to your point rocking with dell dell seems like the easy answer but the run he was on from 97 to 01 was preposterous three great solo records including deltron 3030 third eye vision and his verses on a handsome boy modernly school and gorillas albums now he seems underrated somehow, question, question, question mark. Uh, West Coast Nate, do you agree that Dell seems a little underrated now? Yeah, I do. Um, but like 97 was a long time ago. True. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, yeah. a, that's and, the, and you were talking about eras, right? And my, my era of Dell would probably skew a little earlier than that. Like I'll take brother george yeah, through future exactly. development like that's the yeah. stuff that's really important to me um I'll give myself and dave a little uh you know shameless plug here if you guys want to listen to our interview with dell where he goes track by track about uh no need for alarm um it's on wax poetics's soundcloud super easy to find no it's not it's google google <laughs> wax poetics no need for alarm podcast or something we post it occasionally whenever the occasion strikes but um that since we did that for another company, it's not in our like normal podcast feed, but it's really, really interesting interview. Um, Dell had recently gone through like a tough time where he mm. fell off the stage with the gorillas. Oh, and, that's right. and, that's right. and then we, we go through all the B sides, all the extra stuff, all the guest appearances um, from that, that whole album run. But anyway, the um, yeah, I do think Dell's a little underrated at this point, but he likes to stay in the cut. Yeah. It's like yep. you need to be out there if you want to be talked about. And that's that's not Dell's thing. It's never been mm. Dell's thing. Like Dell Dell's like the most talented regular guy rapper in the world. Like he just doesn't come across as a normal guy when he's in attack mode. Yeah. But then his his pursuits, he likes video games and weed and be making beats and just like, you know, skateboarding and riding mm. Bart and being a normal. You know, he's normal. He has <laughs> he, he lives really a normal is. life. He's, um, he's he's Berkeley normal. Let's be clear. If you saw <laughs> Dale walking down the street, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's just a normal guy. But for for his milieu, um, he does come across as being like a rap everyman and, and sort of a recluse a little bit um, in the sense that he could revel in his fame and do a lot of different things. But um, did you get a chance to listen to the Dell Cool Keith record? No, I have not listened to that. Is that uh, is that relatively new? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was twenty end of twenty twenty one. I don't think I listened to that. I might have been in my hibernation from hip hop mode. It, it's a uh, Dell over Cool Keith beats, right? I think they rap together. Okay. Too. Yeah. No, so so I we're gonna to it. we'll do our homework on that one. Uh, our next contributor here to the question of the week. Uh, one of our favorite producers at Blockhead NYC. Of course, it's Blockhead. He says casual, but Pep Love had a moment where he was my number one. After Dark is a personal classic. So again, another vote for casual. We can, we'll unpack that a little bit more as we get closer to the interview. But there was a surprising dark horse in this discussion, and it was Pep Love. 
uh, in particular, this uh, after after hour song that like really moved people. That's just never been my cut. I was I, I knew it. I've listened to the record many times, but I was like, oh, I didn't realize that like hit so hard for people. Resonated. That was that was eye opening for me. Yeah, it was a third eye opening. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I couldn't could not do it. Um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised, too. I really like Pep Love uh, and my Pep Love cut is the cut called Pep Love on uh, Third Eye Vision, uh, the Hieroglyphics group album from 1998. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk more about him. Me and Nate are going to break down our top Hyro members for the Patreon homies. I, I have to say, uh, before we move on, uh, Pep Lava is an amazing nickname. Because <laughs> he's hot. He's hot like lava. Hot I, like I, lava. I've always thought that was a that was a very good nickname. Oh. It's, you're, you're like, it's very hip hop to like have a million nicknames based on yes. your nickname. Like, I don't know if you saw it. There was some kind of like, I'm sure something like this goes viral like once a week. They were, they was tell it was like your dog has like its normal name and then it has sure. all the names off of it that's also true for a lot of rappers absolutely it's like pep love is already obviously like a pen name or a, a hip-hop handle but then there's the all the all the riffs on that i think are super interesting yeah pep love pep love which i think is his twitter um is a is a great moniker uh let's go to d222 at d222 a plus. He's the whole package dope MC, a great producer, and arguably one of the best hip hop groups ever. Um, a plus is underrated. He is underrated, especially as a producer. Yeah, I think absolutely. a lot. I think a lot of what people think of as the classic Hyro sound, the kind of like dusty jazz, boom bappy stuff from the Jive albums, is A plus and is Domino. Plus. Yep. And it's just like ne neither one of them is really brought up in conversations when you're talking about you know stalwart producers. But both both those guys bring the heat, and it's just they 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 happen to make stuff that I really resonate with. Absolutely, uh, and you are not alone. At KMU777 says, all caps, Domino. I think his production gets overlooked when we talk about Hyro. Everybody sounded great on his beats, and his style was perfect for the crew. As Nate mentioned, we had the pleasure of doing an in-person interview with Domino back in December. Which I don't uh, think people have heard yet, right? No, no, no. It's going to be making its way uh, onto the internet really soon. It was a dope conversation. Uh, also, Domino's about 6'5", something like that. <laughs> uh, so I, I it, would have to say at least six, ten, or eleven. Yeah, it, comparatively speaking, uh, <laughs> very, very. Everyone tall. is tall to me, but he, he was like, "Whoa, dude!" Yeah, but uh, he's also stands tall as a as a producer, and I think you're right. It's Domino and A Plus's music sensibility that really create um, the high row sound. Which, um, kind of going back to Dell, I think Dell is part of the Hyro sound, and then he isn't. You know what I mean? There are Dell records, which completely, I think, almost exist outside of the hieroglyphics kind of musical universe. Right. Um, whereas most of the other crew members, they, they like a certain type of beat. As I was doing my research today, um, there's definitely a Hyro sound, and I think, uh, yeah, Domino and A+, plus, the, the absolute architects of that. Yeah, um, you know, there's a there's a whole world of kind of like under released Hyro. Like, mm. I think it, some of it's more available now. Like, I don't actually know what is exactly available. Like, but I'm sure you remember Damon when the Hyro Oldies comps first mm -hmm. came out with the taxi kind, song. Yeah, with the taxi song, and and it kind of um, it collected some stuff that had just been floating around. And I don't, because I don't, I, I haven't actually looked about like how much of that is available on the internet. Like, are those on Bandcamp? Are those on I Spotify? That's like, a, that's a great question. I know some of them had obvious reasons why they couldn't be put out at the time. I don't know if those reasons yeah. have changed, but um, and the, and the like, again, I just, I probably should have done this before we turned on the microphones and started recording our talking, but uh, it's like, do people know like the shaman record? Oh, like is yeah, that yeah, is that yeah. something you had to go to a Bay Area record store at a certain time to get? Did that make it to streaming? Like, there's just there's a lot of high row stuff or like side projects or collaborations they did between the members that are not I don't I don't think talked about or just like 
in the ether for normal fans. Like, oh, just, sure. I don't know if it's just stuff that was sold at merch tables at shows or just like had like local distribution or none, or they would just drive it down to record stores and stuff. Like I just we, kinda... we were so proximal to all that. It's hard right. to understand what what is and isn't available widely. I will say this. The the high road taxi song, which I believe is a Cap Fair. song. Cab Fair. Yeah. Um, which is a Souls of Mischief song was legendary folks i remember people searching for that shit and like on dubs of dubs of dubs um were uh hieroglyphics and i'm not sure who's a producer but flips the theme to the show taxi um allegedly yeah allegedly because i don't <laughs> sample snitch um and it's it it's it's a dope song but it always just reminds me of the pre-internet uh search and like there how hard it was to find things and how, how rewarding it was once you found them. Yep. It was it was some Indiana Jones type shit uh, when you could find it. Um, what I thought was interesting, and we'll, we'll definitely transition to our casual interview shortly here. But what I thought was interesting, speaking of can people find things, um, extra prolific shows up in none of these mentions. Yeah, he wasn't mentioned a single time, and brown sugar is pretty good. It really is. Yeah, that's I remember a really, really good excited. record really excited uh, about that record coming out and he kind of got into some legal trouble and and kind of seems like uh messed up his career you'd think at least like some of our you know deep deep bay area heads would be contrarian enough to be like nope you guys don't it's it's extra prolific yeah i'm the one guy who thinks that you know what i mean well it's early i posted this this morning yeah i am hoping that the the hip-hop uh nerd intelligentsia bay area influenced somebody will bring that up um at some point but what top two i would say if i had to do a top three um and we'll talk about this more in the outro i think what most people mentioned was dell first for reasons that we know casual for reasons that we can get into deeper after this interview and opio uh, I would say Opio or maybe Opio Festo was, was a was a tie. And I thought that was interesting because I remember uh, when Souls of Mischief came out, me and my peers would have just heated arguments about who is the best. And a lot of times we would go with Opio, like Opio would would uh, be the winner. I think Opio had the most West Coast uh, voice and delivery of that time. I think you it's kind of one of those you had to be there, but era era defining voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you were a a spunky hip hop nerd of a certain age, like Opio was all the things. And I find it interesting that many, many years later, the whole look of social mischief in particular, but the whole crew is the look of now. Like my son just got dreads <laughs> is, is trying to rock a backpack and like so shake them. Yeah. Uh, the whole look of, of kind of that part of the world and like um, yeah, the, the, cool the rugby thing. shirts, mm-hmm. the non Tim boots, mm-hmm. the backpacks, the dreads, the kind of anorak jackets, the skateboard, like influenced mm-hmm. uh, kind of like slouch to everything. I, I thought they dressed so cool, man. I just thought Same. they were amazing. The, the big cabbie hats yes yeah. yes no they they definitely uh were style icons in a lot of ways it's i love when that uh that story comes up every so often about how uh andre 3000 and eminem had a like a phone nerd out session about souls of mischief <laughs> um and just to to think about their their influence in the game listening to uh, a bunch of high road today i was struck by um Souls of Mischief in particular were the rappiest rappers about rapping that probably had ever come along. And their unapologetic approach to it, I think, yeah. is what set them apart. Yeah. They were like, we are going to do the most MC-focused rhyming ever and lean it to it so hard. And so it's not surprising to me that an Andre 3000 or an Eminem uh, would pick up on that because it's a very indulgent rapper focused style of rap and that's right. probably, probably it's, it's all directed at an unseen unheard you it's yes. all it's all threatening 
to like yeah. other rappers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We we talked to Dell a little bit about that. And he's like, you know, definitely come to a different place in his career. But in particular, we were talking to him about No Need for Alarm, which is essentially like a battle record against record. the entire world. Yes. It's like anyone who's ever rhymed will find a little something to be offended about <laughs> because you just like <laughs> going at people so hard. And it's just it I don't think there's anything wrong with rapping about rapping if it's done well. And it's just yeah, there absolutely. There are many examples of how it's not done well, but I think you could point to this kind of early Hyro stuff as like some of the example of where it's still really artistic. The wordplay yep. is top notch. It's still yep. fun. There's yep. a little bit of menace to it, but there's a little bit of like kind of like winking, smirking oh, take yeah. on it where it's like yeah. it's just rap at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and and uh, something yeah. people need to consider is the, the that they're still relatively young men because they started so young. So early. And yeah. they, they actually have known each other much longer than anything was ever recorded. They're like, they're in their elementary, elementary school, school friends, friends, which is yep. crazy. Um, it's still, know. it's still going. Um, so our, our guests that we're going to have on, um, you know, I'll, I'll go as far as to say still really relevant. Um, several decades removed from his, his initial release fear itself in 94, um, casual style has stood the test of time, or maybe he was just always really ahead. Uh, <laughs> and he's just a, a live guy. He's he was a good follow. I used to interact with him on Facebook a lot. Oh, interesting. Uh, back in the day, and he was always uh, lively and funny. So I'm looking forward to checking out this interview. I was not present, but um, here is our interview with Casual Dead by Rap Pot. Dad Bod Rap Pod, every week bringing you the dopest interviews. This week we have the legendary Casual from Hieroglyphics. How you doing, man? I'm chilling. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Good, good. Well, you know, uh, there's a lot of history, um, just a lot of things to uncover regarding your past and your catalog and everything. But I kind of want to start at the beginning with the uh, the Dead Perry album that's about to drop. Can you just kind of let people know a little bit about how you guys connected and also, you know, Killer Priest is on there, Ghostface is on there, uh, Planet Asia is on there. Tell a little, tell people a little bit about the project. Word up. Thank you. That project is dropping soon. Uh, actually, it's, it's called the, Reanim- the Art of Reanimation, produced by Dead Perry. And it's really, I mean, we call it the Art of Reanimation because really it's a remix album with like five brand new songs on it. So he he reanimated, you know what I'm saying, a lot of my last album, which was Big Hair Science, and brought forth uh, five new songs that we felt we wanted to make a new presentation of since that first album was never on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got vinyl cassettes and a whole bunch of things. But Dad Perry's just a, a wonderful producer. He's been around for a minute. And, uh, you know, we met online just doing uh, doing work and knocking out various projects and it came to fruition to do this one word that's word. awesome man um i've always wondered uh cash where is your family from are you are you from the bay area like historically or mm-hmm. is your family from somewhere else and came to the bay area can you give us a little bit about your your family yeah. background my parents moved to the bay in like 1973 from mississippi mm-hmm. and so my that's my parents i mean my family's from the south you know what I mean? I've been here. I was born in 1974. So Wikipedia puts an extra year on me. They say 73. <laughs> but I was really born in 74. You know what I mean? And yeah, family from the South. Gotcha. And the, the reason I ask is that, I, you know, I've listened to you rap for hundreds of hours. I'm like, is casual so Oakland that he ends up sounding a little bit Southern? <laughs> or is it just like, do you think it, it uh, it trickled down through the way your parents spoke to you. Do you feel, do you feel like you have a little bit of a draw? 
It's not just me. Uh, I mean, you know, the West Coast, sometimes in our area, I sound typical of a lot of people from Oakland. Uh, I wouldn't say no one in, in my area would notice any type of drawl or okay. accent. You know what I mean? Okay, cool. But, yeah. I mean, well, but, you know, you guys from the Bay, too, but particularly where, you know, where I was at, this that's just how we talked in East Oakland in those at, at about that time. But yeah. my, I listen to my, my parents. My mom talks really fast. And I'll be like, I'll be like, I don't know if I picked up that much uh, from the South, but I might have a Southern draw. Yeah, it's it, you, I love your voice. The way you your way with words is so commanding. And I've just it's unique, though. And it's um, I've heard a lot of different Bay Area rappers and your voice and your command of the language is so great. Um, and that leads me to my next question, which is, do you have a, a verse or a feature or a song that you feel is your best work? Like, do you walk around thinking like, I just nailed it on X, Y, and Z track? Uh, it's often my latest work. Like sometimes I only rap to see if I could top the last thing I put out. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I'll be like, okay, I ain't freestyled in a minute. Let's see if I could put a freestyle online that people say is doper than the one I put up two years ago. You know what I mean? But after they marinate for a minute, only certain verses I look back on, like that was that one. Like, oh, excuse me, one I might have wrote in 95 or 96, where it still could be said in a battle rap today. Uh, it was for um, me and Dell's song, Jaw Gymnastics. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, if you, you could take that verse and, and just, I came in talking about. I'm the difference between Hanna Barbera and Hannibal the Barbarian, the metal stiletto ghetto cesarean, word carrying clarion. That was a little bit, that was much for 95, 96, you know what I'm saying, back when we were spitting that. And, and so only a few verses like that one that I might focus in on, like, man, I hit that one right there. Wow, that's incredible, man. Thank you. Um, you mentioned your, um, your family and your mom and your history a little bit earlier. I actually spoke to you for uh, Fear Itself and had you break down sort of the making of the album. And my takeaway was that from that was that you mentioned that you give it up to your mom for getting you the equipment um, just to begin with. Um, mm -hmm. Now in 2022, um, what goes through your mind when you think about Fear Itself? Good question. Um... I don't know. I'm just often at this age and at this point, I'm happy that I made it. I mean, I look back like, okay, you actually got a classic album in the history of hip hop uh, to some, you know what I'm saying? And it's a really good thing. There were points in times where I would put out different albums. And every time I put out a record, people would say, oh, I heard your new record. I really like that fear itself. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And I'll be like, okay, okay, I hear you. You know what I'm saying? And I guess people wanted to feel the way they felt in high school or whatever, but we all got to understand it's not me, it's not the artist, it's just the growth process to where sometimes you'll never get a first impression of an artist again. You, you, just, you just won't get that. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. because that left such a strong impression on hip-hop, uh, it makes me proud to have created it. That's dope, man. Well, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it being, you know, considered a classic, but it's it was also your debut. Do you think it's one of the best debuts in hip hop? Uh, I wouldn't say that personally. <laughs> I know we had a lot of other good, really good debuts in hip hop, but some might say that about that project. Uh, even <laughs> my introductory line into uh, to hip hop was like one of the best just kick down the door lines like uh, uh i think my first line on my first single was like i write raps and when it's bite i clap you know what i'm saying because they sound better now and so you know what i'm saying everybody was like dang that's a wild introduction for a rapper i never heard before to just come in and say that and so you know it was a good introduction but i i wouldn't put it up there and say like that was one of the best ever Okay, very okay. humble very humble we appreciate it um I, you're a part of a collective hieroglyphics and you guys have done a ton of great work together and i guess 
what I want to ask you about that is for people who are outside of this, for people who don't understand, like, is it more like a group of friends or a group of colleagues or a group of creative partners at this point in your life? Like, what is your guys' relationship to each other in 2022? Yeah, well, you got to imagine that we uh, we started doing the majority of this in elementary school, grade school. Uh, some of us go back to kindergarten. And so now pushing, I'm 46. Am I, I don't know. I don't even count my age like that. I'm 46 or 47. I'm one of the two. But Wiki forced me to believe something that, and then I just, <laughs> for real, right? I don't said, believe whatever. the hype, man. You should know better than them. <laughs> but anyway, you know, pushing, I mean, traditionally, culturally, we could go into that. I really don't believe that we should be counting our years like that. But and so I, I try to apply that in my own life. I'm kind of casual with it, so to speak. Later, I'm in my late 40s. But anyway, I was saying that to say you have to imagine uh, naturally how things would progress for people who've known each other since uh, doing the same thing since grade school and then had mild or, or good success in hip hop doing the same things uh, in our early 20, teens to early 20s, even 30s up until now. Uh, you know, people start living their lives and really venture learning more and venturing off into other things. And, you know, it's hard to bring a collective together the same way it would be able to bring uh, a bunch of 24, 25 year olds together to be like, yo, let's rock this. Some people was like, yo, I'm just having a new kid. And uh, someone else is like, yo, my son's in, has this real big ceremony and, you know, and you start to really get into things that, and I'm not just speaking for uh, ourselves. I'm just speaking about uh, maturity and music. Sometimes people have to let people live their lives and still make their contributions to the art as they so choose. You know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes our audience is rather, uh, I, I noticed, I know people appreciate it, but the demanding nest, sometimes I wonder, is it really, worth it like sometimes people be like Josh shut up what you're talking about just do a new record and I'm like seriously is that like is, forever will I have to do a new record or is anything that we've done so far to help push hip hop along appreciate it you know what right. I mean right yeah. a kind of toxic fandom like uh, people going too far with it or just maybe talking tough online I, I doubt they would uh, say that to I, your face I, I mean you know <laughs> it's appreciated that they they might think what they're saying is inspiring and but they gotta realize though this is a 30-year career I heard people saying that 15 years ago and I answered that call and you know say so even 10 years ago even got an album coming out on the 28th so we're still always answering that call so you kind of get the side eye or a smirky lip when we're trying to make another endeavor and you're just like oh just put out another album I'm like dude we we put out albums all the time but we, you know we're mature artists and we want to bring more to the art than just bars you know what I'm saying Mm. Well, you know, on topic of, you know, Hyro and, and, the, and it being a collective and its uh, transformations through the years, um, we got to bring up the Hyro versus Hobo Junction. Um, it was such an influential moment, not just for the West Coast, but I think in hip hop. I mean, it was such a big deal. Um, we're, we're 40 year old dudes. So we, re we remember being kids and just how momentous of an occasion it was. Can you take us back into the studio and just give us sort of your insight, your thoughts, what was it like that day? What yeah. What's it like thinking back on it now? Uh, it was a wild day. Uh, I can't remember what I was doing before I rode over there. Probably just trying to relax, get into a vibe. But when we got there, it was really staged, and I was drawn back like, oh, I wasn't just like I came on, like, oh, I need to change my shirt. That's kind of like how it was at the battle. We knew we were going to a battle, but I didn't know it would be hella press there. I didn't know it would be, it was like set up a little bit. That caught me off guard, but it was what it was. Uh, we both had support in the house, but I had a, a, a crazy number of people show up for me at that event that I had not seen in over 10, 15 years. Mm. or maybe 10, you know, 10, 12 years, you know what I'm saying? And so 
besides that, just the air. I mean, in in the house that night, it was like anything could happen. Even though we were in Camiel, we kind of outnumbered security and outnumbered everything. It seemed like it could have been like a beat street moment inside that venue. But everybody remained respectable, kept it hip hop, and it turned out to be a classic moment in hip hop. Shout out to Sophia, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, I, I know that you and Safir subsequently sort of squashed everything. Um, how is he doing? Do you guys still keep in touch? Uh, we don't really keep in touch and I uh, wish him well. I'm, I'm not sure of how, uh, his status right now, but uh, he had fell under an illness. Mm-hmm. But um, we wish him the best for Safir, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and plus, we squashed it. That was like 30 years ago. So if we did <laughs> squash it, it would have squashed itself because nothing transpired. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, some right. beefs just, just blow over. Like, oh, what's up, dude? You see somebody in the grocery store, y'all both walking with kids, and y'all laugh or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah, we used to have beef. Yeah. Right. That's a good, that's a good peek behind the curtain. We, we appreciate that. Um, I'm curious, this is a very nerdy question, but I, I think you'll be able to, to take it somewhere. Like I'm, I'm thinking about Smash Rockwell in particular. And I guess what I want to ask you is like, is that a character or a persona or was it mm-hmm. just a way you felt at the time? Like, can you give us like a, a peek behind the thought process? Like mm-hmm. as you move through the career, do you want to do different personas i guess is the word i'm going to keep using until you I mean, correct me it was a little bit of all of those at the time people had started calling me smash uh my friends that just you know it went from casual to cash to smash i was i was living a different lifestyle than i'm living right now and you know i was drinking i was aggressive and people smash it was just that and so you know smash rockwell was the hip-hop form of it but I didn't really uh, write out a new character for myself. It more or less just turned out that way. And then then after people called me that so much, I was like, I need to present Smash Rockwell to the hip hop, to hip hop because being off the scene for so long, you know what I mean? People really didn't know what was going on with me. And I was just like, yo, my next record about to be Smash Rockwell since everybody was calling me that, uh, all my homies and in the back, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Right on, man. Right on. Um, we're going to jump around just a little bit just because there's so much to um, sort of cover. But, you know, I, I also want to quickly give you a platform to talk about Hyrocoin. Um, mm-hmm. I follow you on social media. I know mm-hmm. you're very um, in, um, in tune to investments and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you're very encouraging about just sharing mutual knowledge about it. Tell people about Hyrocoin, why, mm-hmm. why it's important and, and how to connect with that. Hyrocoin bar B A R is the symbol for Hyrocoin, and it's ba- ba- basically by holding Hyrocoin, what you're doing is supporting the build of a decentralized autonomous organization that will help fund the arts. So we're trying to basically put together a system where we can fund art artistic projects, not our own, but community members' artistic projects by simply going through the democratic process of submitting a proposal and gaining 51% approval from the DAO members. Hmm. And so basically say it's a thousand people who've joined the uh, DAO. If you get, if you submit a proposal before them say, yo, you got a project, you need this much funds for the project. If that project uh, seems fundable by 51% and you gain 51% approval, you get funded in bar, uh, which is our token, uh, which is right now at one cent on pancake swap. It can be found on CoinMarketCap. You go right to CoinMarketCap.com, type in HyroCoin, and it'll let you know the details of everything that's going on since we've been out. This is like week five since we launched. Oh, I think we launched on December 8th. And so, yeah, we're going into week six. And it, it's been it's been wonderful. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been fun learning about merging blockchain technology with uh my art yeah that that's incredible um yeah as someone who's not dabbled a ton in crypto or like knows much about it just like you your instagram is one of the main places where i'm learning about this stuff so it's pretty it's pretty interesting um and i didn't realize it had the second component of creating this community that would then Mm -hmm. fund other projects different 
time and place, but it reminds me a little bit of what the Beatles were doing with Apple when they founded their company. They're like, it's not for us. We're fine. We need mm-hmm. to find, we need to support all these other artists um, with the, the spoils of the thing. But anyway, uh, something else I wanted to ask you about. Um, it seems like you you're interested in a lot of different things. You're like the outdoors and crypto and just, you have a very full life. Like, do you think about not rapping anymore? Like, will you always rap? Like, is, mm. is there a timeline for you? Like where this will be what just one of the things you do that it's kind of something you don't do anymore. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't look at that. Like asking the same question to a really good MMA fighter, but suppose <laughs> taking that question into an old Kung Fu flick and asking one of the masters, you know, they have all their, all, before they're really a master, they got gray hairs down to the floor. You know what I'm saying? And so they might not teach Kung Fu or they might not practice it. But if you run up on a master, you know what I'm saying? You're going to get what a master knows in that regard. And so when I look at my art and I when I look at uh, how seriously we've taken pushing forward the art, I feel we've reached a level of mastery, which many people share. But once you get to that point, I mean, some it's like it really ain't no turning it off. Like, you know, when you when you understand the art so well that you can like my last freestyle was people were saying was crushing everybody. And I just turned it on on this same microphone and just spit it just to see, was it crushing everyone? And so again, when you, when we get to those levels, it's kind of like inseparable, but as far as commercial art, I don't have as much fun uh, just putting out art with just the intent to for it to be commercial if people dig my music and they follow my channels they always going to get the same you know they'll be able to get the same level of artistry just through my auxiliaries but i i ain't really into really i mean by commercializing is like packaging an album for sale and doing all of this stuff that i've done for so long and and it's helped me, but that ain't it. I I, I kind of I don't want to call it like, you know, when they say when art meets commerce, something has to give. And at this for for me, the art is like winning oh, like ninety percent. Like I only I make songs and I got albums sitting up that not for the lack of not putting them out. I just be like, I don't even want to put this into that machine. I kind of want to figure out new ways to offer it to people. That's why working with NFTs. Uh, building this DAO to merge, you know, DeFi technology where art is going to give us brand new ways to get out new music. And I got a bunch of it for when we figured that all out. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, you you know, Hyro has always been very sort of techno- technologically forward thinking, you know, with, with the Internet and, and now with um, Hyro Coin and you, you mentioned NFTs. But you know, I think at the heart of it is just your guys' skill, right? Can you let us in on your writing process? Do you write or is it like, are you taking notes all day mm-hmm. or are sentences like swirling mm-hmm. in your head? Like as an MC, yeah. as a writer, let us in on that process. Word up. I used to write the majority of all my lyrics, like 90% of what you've heard in my career was written on paper, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I stopped writing as I got older and I realized that I wish I would have done that a lot earlier. I wouldn't say I stopped writing, but I stopped going through the process of putting my thoughts onto the paper. I just skipped that process and go straight to the booth without mm-hmm. any material yet. And I'll start recording and whatever I get out that's uh, that I like, I'll keep. And I'll go back and it's the same thing like you're writing. But the the difference in the process to me is it allows me to do tap into something that I wasn't tapping into when I strictly went through the editorial process of picking up a pencil, looking at a blank canvas and trying to fill it up with my thoughts. You know what I'm saying? It was a lot funner to turn on the mic, spit out something, get the vibe out and go back and fix the parts that I didn't like. And that became my process. Mm, thank you yeah um i think i'm curious how do you decide who to work with at this point and like are you also on the search for beats are people hitting you up sending you packs like how important is the beat to what you're doing these days and is it Mm -hmm. something that you put intention into or does it come to you 
Good question. Uh, the beat is always very important. There was times when it wasn't as important as it is now, because sometimes finding the inspiration amongst all these other things going on in life to spit a bar or to spit freestyles, you know what I'm saying? Especially freestyles. Only thing that makes me want to like freestyle off the top, like be a dope ass beat. I might not not be in the mood. I could be walking through Walmart and hear something through the radio like, oh, and start thinking of some bars. But that won't ever happen no place naturally if I wasn't listening to, uh, I mean, if it wasn't for some dope new beats. And so I'm always open to hear new beats. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm always listening to new stuff. But I kind of really listen the most and listen the hardest when I'm in my creative process, meaning like somebody could send me hella beats and I won't listen till the Friday when I want to manifest something. I don't like preparation listening. Like, you know, because I'll, I'll lose that spontane spontaneity that I want to capture from my first time hearing it and turn it on the mic within like 10 seconds of my first time hearing it. That's always how some of the dopest stuff comes out, you know. This is a slightly different question, but I have to ask if this is the only time we ever get to talk. Like, do people still try to test you? Like, do people oh, want to rap with casual and out-rap <laughs> I, I, casual? I, I, I had a certain amount of people who've done it just for fun, but even that was, that didn't turn out so well. But, I mean, you know, I've gotten, I mean, <laughs> battles are battles. And so this is one thing I like to say. Most battles I've been in, I've gave people the honor of them being freestyle battles, meaning you do have a chance in a freestyle battle because the day is, a, every day is a different day. And each moment is a different moment. And if we're going to agree to use spontaneity in our skill, then everyone has a chance. You see what I mean? Unless somebody got some, some people be having like some premeditated stuff that they faking like it's freestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they'll be, they'll, they'll tip the scales of what I'm trying to relay here. But if it's honestly a, a freestyle type of discourse, then I've had days where my rhymes just wasn't connecting so fast and someone else's were connecting faster. Mm. And then as his sped up, mine slowed down. And eventually you like, Whoa, it sounds like he, giving you bars boy you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but again i'm talking about uh i'm really being honest in a 30-year career i mean i wouldn't want to even have to tell you all the rappers that couldn't even stand in the cypher with me I, I would much less give people the other side of it to say yo man when it's freestyling just like you've seen a a great boxer just catch one and get caught slipping and be like oh he almost got Oh, is this fight over? You know what? I can, that's how freestyle provides it as well. But when it's written, uh, I don't feel, think too many people. I mean, you know, well, some of the newer battle rappers, they, they, they're they into all of that. But before before all that came out, the only people doing that type of stuff was guys like us. Like, all oh, my raps is about you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, you know. Yeah. Um, good, good to hear. And, uh, just as we kind of turn a corner here, just want to thank you as a fan and as a, a hip hop head for your contributions to the culture. You're a true master. Your way with words is unparalleled. And I think you've made some of the greatest songs, um, we'll ever listen to. So thank you very much. Wow. That's such a much appreciated thing. Dad Bod Rap Pod. That was our conversation with Smash Rockwell himself. Casual. I had forgotten. I rewatched Boogie Nights not too long ago. I had forgotten that that was the Smash Rockwell moniker was from Boogie Nights. I uh, went not, straight. Not exactly. It's no. Chest Rockwell is the guy oh, from Boogie that's Nights, right. that's which right. was then uh, co-opted by handsome boy modeling school uh casual actually talks about why 
he started getting called Smash Rockwell in the interview, which weirdly you have never heard, even though the wow. guests, are, all of our listeners have now heard it because of the magic of audio production and podcasting. But Damn. basically you should go back and listen to it. But like, he was like getting his drink on and it went from like casual to cash to smash, smash. When, he, when he was perving. <laughs> and then he added in the Rockwell, maybe, well. Or maybe not influenced by Boogie Nights. I didn't okay. make the okay. connection, okay. but yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's well, actually funny. I don't think this person <laughs> or anyone really associated with this person listens to the podcast that much, but there was this girl named Ashley I used to know. And when she would get drunk, we would call her Smashley. Smashley. So it's like, <laughs> I was like, Chef's Kiss yeah. nickname. And then it got to the point where, when we would have to like talk about her when she was there or whatever, we wouldn't even say the smash. We would just go Lee <laughs> <laughs> became a, a motion and onomatopoeia. It, it became no, an onomatopoeia when you wouldn't want to be a, uh, oh, yeah. Anyways. Nice. Uh, yeah. The casual is amazing. What a isn't great he, rapper. Isn't he, uh, came up a, a bunch when we asked folks what their favorite Hyro member was. And it got me to thinking, why is that so? Like, why does Casual's name uh, is on kind of the tips of everyone's tongue, given um, we talked earlier about the stellar success that Dell has had, and he's kind of like the founding member and the head of the Voltron, so to speak. But I think Casual's name comes off people's tongues next because his style is in some ways ageless and it was some ways really ahead of his time yeah. uh, when he came out. So when he's coming out in an era and even within his crew where everybody's got this like rapid attack and like they're rapping downhill and they're like coming at you. Casual always had a little wiggle mm-hmm. in his game, like a curveball, if you will. Like uh, uh, he plays with timing and negative space in a way that separates him from what I, you can't see, but I'm doing like uh, air typewriter type of rappers. Right. Who are just hitting the syllables so hard. Um, and so I think that those approaches have become more popular now. And so even listening to Fear Itself today, I was like, he, this is good rapping for now. Yeah, for that sure. He was doing and and the, the new rapping, the new projects he has are good rapping for now. Like he just, he's just like, he has such a way with words yeah that it comes through when he speaks it comes through in his interviews it comes through in his like online presence and it really comes through in his songs yeah. but he just has a very unique way with words that i think really appeals to the kind of people who would like gravitate towards our twitter right it's like it's a Absolutely. very like hip hoppy like live by the pen die by the pen kind of like approach to his career and it, it, at this point and we touch on this a little bit in the interview, he's not really super interested in rapping. Like I can, you can tell something he does. He he will always do when he's moved by the right beat selection or the right project. He'll, 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 he'll put some raps out into the world. He likes to do these online freestyles to see if he's still got it. And he's like, the feedback is I've definitely still got it. Still got it. Yeah. Totally, um, totally. It's he just he's a he's an interesting person. He has a lot going on, but it really, really, at the end of the day, what he'll be remembered for is just his absurd fluency with the English language. Like he just he mm-hmm. just talks and like in, in rapping as an extension of talking like no one else who's ever lived. And that's what's yeah. so great about hip hop. It's like they hip hop and the perfect art form found this perfect guy and he made yeah. such amazing art. Like it's just he's just great. So um super dope to talk to him. I'll I'll post it when we're promoting the show. But we did a whole episode on fear itself back in the yeah, day. Yeah we did domino. We did so we we already kind of covered the fear itself not I don't think track by track, but pretty darn close because all the tracks are notable. And now we have this kind of career spanning interview and just kind of a, a more of a look into the mind of casual. So, yeah, it's it's great that uh, you guys were able to to catch up with him and get some insight into his incredible career. Um, the folks on Twitter on our timeline, which is inching towards 5000 followers, will be there. We'll be there this year. Nate. I'm yeah. calling it right now. Yeah, I think we can do that. It's, uh, you know, I, I wish my uh, cryptic musings were what draws the people in. No, it's the questions. It's the prompts. Yeah. the people. And, and when talk. you get a little spicy on the weekends, I could tell. 
Like, can I was you, like, oh, Damone's lobbing some grenades now. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Can you see how many milligrams I've, <laughs> I've eaten by that time? Can you judge? Uh, yeah, definitely. When I get a good night's sleep and an and a, and a ire in me. But um, <laughs> our, our timeline responding to the question, who is your favorite member of Hyro? Uh, casual came up a bunch. I want to pull up uh, a couple of folks who, who bigged up casual. At John uh, Liberator. A shout out to John, writer and friend of the program. I always loved Casual. He was a fly, witty dude who could make great songs and freestyle off the top. He's only gotten better with age. Casual is the flyest. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Of, in of a, in a group of incredibly fly, fly dudes. Yep. He is the flyest. He's kind of the, the swaggiest dude um, uh, of that group. And I, I would agree with that. Um Let's see. Let's do a, a couple more here on our way out the door. Uh, at need underscore B, Pep love that flow be gorgeous. Um, <laughs> I love the economy of words there. Uh, couldn't agree more. I think um, Pep love is a very curious case. I think he raps as good as anybody in the crew. Um, hasn't had that seminal release. I know a lot of people bigged up the, the after dark joint but for whatever reason it didn't coalesce around him maybe them losing their deal but i remember when hieroglyphics was first coming into the kind of collective consciousness the the murmur on the street is with that pep was the dude mm. like there's like this guy pep love he's coming out um and he is going to kill everything and then we heard him on the undisputed champs he has some of the coldest features yeah, of the hyro thing uh undisputed champs you know where he says he exemplifies a pimpified mac acting like this shit we're <laughs> like wow uh, <laughs> excellent rapping so I, I definitely agree with that um let's see let's get to one more one more tweet for the peoples um oh no that's all the tweets that's all the tweets we share with y'all for now uh at Dad Bod Rap Pod on Twitter, every so often I post a question of the week. Uh, feel free to chime in, and we might could shout you out on this program. We appreciate everybody for adding their two cents. You can also connect with us on Instagram at Dad Bod Rap Pod. And Nate, and if you're ready to go the extra step with us, where can they connect with us? The page. Yeah. Patreon. Uh, we have a Patreon, not the patriarchy. Uh, <laughs> Deadpod. Patreon.com slash Deadpod Rap Pod, uh, bringing you extra segments, extra takes, record reviews, uh, my fake radio show, Fly Sporadic, um, Enter to Win raffles for Dave's promos. Um, we're, we're developing some concepts for Damone's solo musings i'm trying to get him to get one of those little microphones for his phone and just record his thoughts as he goes through his day um put together a show so uh yeah we just i'm i'm not ready to announce it yet but i have another kind of side project thing coming yeah the patreon is where it's at that's where you can directly support the show i have to say um you know making a little bit of income from the show is somewhat new to us we had a really good year last year and that was where some of this stuff kind of kicked off it it really helps us keep our interest in doing this it's like it's, <laughs> a, it's a direct correlation <laughs> yeah yeah that like, we're doing we're so that we're doing to, something we're so used to being like oh well yeah it's fun it's cool we really like doing it but we've never made any money we actually can't say that anymore no we can't we, we bring can't. that mentality into everything we do because we're used to it but it's not actually true anymore and that's very mm-hmm. rewarding so thank you all very much if you uh have ever bought a mug or a shirt yeah. or all the supporters uh, you know subscribe to the patreon or you just listen and you know throw a throw a retweet occasionally we really appreciate it best thing you can do to support the show in the in terms of the universe is leave a five-star review on uh the streaming platform of your choice maybe yes sir a couple thoughtful uh sentences about why you like it um that really helps us with placements within the streaming services and i feel like we haven't gotten one in a while but maybe i haven't checked in a while uh okay, but yeah. okay. Numbers, uh, numbers really strong towards the end of last year. 
Too Short did not do what we thought it would, but then Quibble Jam did amazing. So what what do we know about making podcasts or when to release them? Uh, nothing apparently, but we're we're glad that uh, everybody continues to rock with us. Um, it's been an amazing run over the past couple of years, and I'm letting you know right now when you support the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your five or more uh, dollars on Patreon, um, we think of ways to make flyer shit. To Nate's point, <laughs> to Nate's point, now we've got some ideas that are percolating that wouldn't be possible uh, if we didn't see kind of the the financial support start to trickle in not to uh make this like a npr pledge drive but uh your support for dad bod rap pod especially through the patreon uh really helps us crank out fly ass uh programming you know you know what it is every goddamn thursday we drop a new episode this goes back many years we are the dad bod rap pod 